True mental toughness is the ability to keep taking action when all hope seems lost. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman show where we bring you guests from around the world to speak to topics of life, leadership, and business to help you live rich from the inside out. We have been getting so much applause from people from around the globe telling us about topics that they're wanting, giving us shout outs on social media. And I'd love for you, if you're listening to this right now, give a snapshot of the podcast you're listening to. Go ahead and post it and I will share it in my stories. Give, give me a tag. Um, today, I'm going to introduce someone that is from Australia, but originally from Canada, so it was really cool because she even knew where my hometown of Mundare, Alberta was, so um, very, very cool. I'd like to welcome Angela Henderson. She's an author, entrepreneur, small business consultant, speaker, blogger, mother, and mental health clinician of 15 years. After continually getting asked for business advice, Angela found herself in front of women entrepreneurs who've had the right ideas, bucket loads of skills, but didn't know how to translate it into sustainable, successful business. Determined to change that, Angela started the Angela Henderson Consulting in 2017. Founder of the highly successful online store, Finley and Me, Angela taps into decades worth of knowledge of how to grow a thriving enterprise, pours it into her business consulting clients, and as a business coach for women in business, she helps hundreds of women business owners from around the world have consistent five-figure months, multiple-figure years, without burning out in the process. Her skills were honed at the helm of Finley and Me, where she's learned everything from branding, PR, sales funnels, email marketing, website copy, S-E... Oh, and more. She knows what it truly takes to have a strong brand, consistent sales, steady growth, and overall dedication. Angela has been featured in the media, including Talking Lifestyle with Ed Phillips and David Koch, Inside Small Business on a numerous Australia and international podcasts. Angela believes that the key to successful business is overcoming those inner challenges and roadblocks to improve external results. And it has been her journey of building Finley and Me that fueled her desire to help others avoid pitfalls, rise above the challenges, and get business and life, family life, back on track. Please welcome Angela Henderson to the Millionaire Woman Show. Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, it's wonderful to have you, and I know it's super early. Um, normally, the time that I like to get, get up. Um, here in Canada, so we are across time zones, and I'm grateful that you are here. Um, and I loved our pre-conversation because it really got me thinking about how, with you having the mental health, being a mental health clinician, and how we don't always talk about it out loud, right? We don't talk about it in business 
we talk about it in you know organizations we're just starting to see a movement of really addressing mental health needs mm -hmm. and one of the things that i really wanted to talk to you about was a couple things you know we we talk about burnout but i know especially with some of the solo entrepreneurs listening they're wearing many hats doing everything themselves mm -hmm. and eventually could be burning out if they're not um, outsourcing or leveraging opportunity and I'd love for you to speak to kind of the landscape of things that you have seen and we'll dive into those other subjects of bullying uh, pressures uh, working from home and all of those things that encompass that mental health piece in business yeah yeah absolutely I guess we start with if you think about it, if someone has a broken leg you don't just sit at home going well we'll just you know hope it heals or if someone has a heart attack I mean you just don't sit on the couch going okay yay I've got a heart attack but I'm too scared to go and do anything because of the, what the community will say but you know I'm like goodness forbid that you have a you know anxiety or depression or etc happening so I think we'll start with that because it's like I don't understand why people will get help for one but they won't get help for other you know I know Australia our data is eight people take their lives every single day I mean that's eight too many it's actually can be more it's much higher than our road toll death not minimizing those people that pass every year because of car accidents but the reality of it is uh, but yet we're not talking about it uh, just in general in public but let alone in business and then in business I look at you know three different areas you have people who are stressed people who are leading to burnout and then people who have a full blow in mental health diagnosis that comes from it so I think it's important really early on in business to understand what does stress look like for you, what does burnout look like for you? And when is it borderlining that time to maybe I need to see a GP, speak with a psychologist, et cetera. Now I'm not saying that you couldn't see those people at any of those stages, but typically when you're in that stress level, you just, you minimize it a little bit and then you compartmentalize to some degree is what I typically see. And then you've got people that go into burnout. And then, but by the time they reach for help so often, do you know what I mean? Like, so much starts to crumble and what I mean by that in business is is it could be financials are already crumbling marital breakdowns already starting to crumble relationships with your children are starting to crumble that it's not that it's too late but it's like it could have been prevented so I'm a very big about uh, prevention and harm minimization so my thing is if you can learn the insight early on to what your triggers are and I'll give you an example is here with COVID is uh, in Australia it, it looks very different to other parts of the world but it doesn't mean that it hasn't been stressful. And so uh, I had my kids home for three weeks. And I remember uh, first two weeks were fine. And this is even at this stage, it was just our school holiday. So I didn't actually have to uh, even do schoolwork with them at this particular stage. Uh, but I know what my triggers are. I'm a much better mom uh, four days a week than I am seven days a week, all right? I know, cause like, and I generally have ADHD, but for me it's all the noise, like constantly, I can't cope with that. And I know it's a trigger for me very early on. Now I'll step that back a little bit. I had workplace bullying about four years ago because I in the workplace of a mental health clinician. And at that stage, I then developed severe anxiety and depression. I was on medication. I had to see a psychiatrist. So I both get the clinical side of this and the lived experience side of this. But I know what my triggers are. So I knew going into COVID, this is going to be an interesting time. But it was good. I could already feel because my business has actually exploded even more uh, because of the people needing my help to evil pivot or whatever. So my hours didn't reduce. And so again, I'm very blessed for that compared to some other businesses who that I was trying to help. Right. So I just remember on week three, 
I thought I went looking for a volume because I was like, this is too much. Like my kids are outside my window screaming as I'm trying to record a podcast. Like they're literally beating the crap out of each other. Right. I then I'm like trying to get them snacks. I'm trying to get them this. So I remember on that kind of like day 21, I thought I'm just gonna have a volume. And then I remember going to the cupboard and I was like, what, what am I doing? like, I don't actually need a volume. You know what the problem is, close the door. But I knew what my triggers were and I've trained myself to have insight when it's getting too much. So what did I need to do? Again, we are in a fortunate position in Australia that our schools are open to essential workers. Now my husband is an essential worker. And by definition, because I can't watch my children because I'm on calls for eight to 12 hours a day, that deems me an essential worker. So it was then that I was like, no, I don't need the volume. I need to ask for help and I'm calling the school. So instead of trying to be a hero thinking I can do the eight hours plus entertain them, plus that, that wasn't even homeschooling them at that stage. I was just giving them food, bread and water and hoping they survive for the day, right? But that isn't, I mean, the kids don't sign up for it. So what I'm saying is, is it's important to train yourself. Do you know what I mean about what your triggers are to minimize a full-blown diagnosis? So what can people do to start identifying some of those triggers? Because I think some people who they're so busy, caught up in their everyday life that they don't stop to notice the triggers. Like for you, you mentioned the noise. Um, that yeah. would be a trigger. I know um, for some people, it might be a certain word that they hear someone say, and they feel like they put a different meaning to that word. And all of a sudden that triggers them. So what do you recommend to people to help recognize those triggers of stress? And the other um, offshoot to that I'd like to touch on is there's good stress and there's bad stress that they equally can cause us to be placed in stress. But let, mm -hmm. let's uh, just start with the triggers. For me, it is with triggers, it's going to come down to under like sleep is a big one, right? Like right off the bat, all you have to do is ask yourself, am I getting enough sleep? If you keep saying no, 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 well, that's going to start to accumulate. And when your brain you mean, starts to be fatigued, everything else is blown out of proportion. So I ask people similar to what I would be saying is if I was assessing someone, do you know what I mean, for different diagnosis, right? Is what does your sleep patterns look like? What are your eating patterns, right? Because if all of a sudden someone says, well, I've gained 50 pounds for no particular reason in the last whatever, do you know, a few months, I would obviously say, well, maybe get some blood work done to rule out if there's anything physical going on. But if not, well, then let's look at what our stress levels are, what's going on, right? So always just look at, you know, uh, even now for you, those listeners, what's going on with your sleep, what's going on with your um, uh, eating patterns. And then I'd also be saying, what's going on with your relationship patterns, right? Are you yelling at the kids? Are you yelling at the husband? Not saying that, you know, I'm not condoning yelling, but, you know, let's be honest, we all yell at some stage, all right, because the kids and hubby can drive us all a little bit crazy, okay? Uh, but, you know, what I'm saying is, it's like, is it ex ex uh, excessive all the time, right? Um, and when you're driving or when you're sitting there, as I always ask again, do you ever feel like a little bit panicky? right? Like, do you ever just also like, or you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, these are all indicators to start looking at, you know, what's going on. And, but in regards to triggers, it's very difficult because anything is so individualized, right? But it could be like, if a client sh shows up late for a meeting, does that trigger you? Do you know what I mean? Does it put you kind of like in the, oh, if um, you're late to a meeting, what does that look like? If someone doesn't get back to you quick enough, what are you feeling, right? So these are all the things that you can start asking yourself and start assessing yourself. And remember to, in order for something to be a full-blown diagnosis, it has to be happening in all three areas of your life. So if, if when people would come to me, I would say, okay, well, 
I'll use my son for example. He was uh, we were, he too was going through the diagnosis for ADHD, and it doesn't it makes sense. Does, apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? But again, we don't want to make any assumptions. So then again, we assess. Well, does this just happen in school? Is he fidgety up and about at school? No. He we saw it on the football field, and we also saw it at home, right? Saw it at birthday parties, you know, etc. Adults, the same thing is is. Um, do, is this tension or is this um, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, is it happening at the office place? Is it happening in the community for adults? And is it happening at home? If you start saying, yes, this is happening in all areas, well, then again, start to, you know, make the stuff to go see the GP. But if it's happening only of what needs to change within that particular area of your life to see if those, you know, symptoms or triggers, or et cetera, start to, you know, go down. Yeah, and I think what you really brought up is noticing that where it happens, because it might not happen in every single place in mm -hmm. your life. If you're mm -hmm. noticing it only at home, then it might be a communication thing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. It only in the workplace, then that again could be a communication thing, but it needs maybe some escalation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And my other thing there is, is also remember as business owners or as leaders, is when you start the stressors that you initially start with, you know, like bootstrapping, getting clients, you know, starting your business, all of that. The stressors, you know, even now where I am after being in business for a decade, right? Th there's different types of stressors. So owning a business, th that shit doesn't go away. So the earlier you can start to understand what triggers you, and having insight to maybe when like listen i probably need to book a week long holiday um and a holiday is not going to fix anything people need to remember that too right is you've got to really dig internally with those things uh yeah because when this also starts to go down i see people go from a very good growth mindset to a fixed mindset because everything starts and when you start to get stressed burnout and stressed you know what i mean it ultimately not just impacts you but you can almost feel your business coming to a halt because in my opinion, the, you know, the whole energy and all that that you're putting out there, right, is it's just like you're trying to just, uh, it's like a magnet, you're just repelling off of each other, right? So yeah, give yourself the space to just slow down, but equally give yourself the space to understand that if, if you're early on in business, try and figure this out as soon as you can, because it's going to help you because stressors in business and stuff doesn't, yeah. do you know what I mean, it doesn't go away. Yeah, so alluding back to that, uh good and bad stressors. So networking can be really exciting. It can be lots of fun to go in and connect with people, but then it can be very stressful um, in some respects, depending on your personality type. And 100%. You know, I don't really want to, we're going to go with a label, I guess, um, introverts, yeah. or that they know that they can force themselves out of that introverted position when they go to a networking event. But when they're, they're gone, they're like, okay, don't, don't talk to me. I need to process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the more of the other stressors that are, you know, deaths and um, loss of loss of employees, loss of business, you know, those other stressors, things in life, you know, stocks have gone down or whatever is happening in their world financially. We have good and bad, but they all are stress. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'd love for you to just speak a little bit more to that good and bad stress and how it impacts us and some of the things that we need to recognize even about the good stressors. 
Yep. I mean, again, I think it's still fundamentally, you're looking at, in my opinion, this, the same, same as in like, it's stress regardless of it's good or bad, you still need to understand when it's triggering you, uh, what and what can you do in order to minimize that, right? So I know, for example, for those people who love networking, right? Uh, they know that their stress levels are going to be high no matter what networking event they go to. But when I've suggested to clients of mine, you know, hey, can you bring some with you, someone with you to the networking event? To, that's going to help keep you distracted. It's going to give you the support. It's going to give you the accountability. And you've got someone there to kind of debrief with afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. I also talk about having your exit strategy. So, you know, you go, you might say, you, you make contact when you get there with the, uh, the person who's putting the event on. And you might just say, actually, I just want to let you know, I'm going to have to leave a little bit early because of X, Y, and Z. They don't need to know if it's true or not. Right. Um, and if you end up being able to, to say the whole thing, you can always just say like, oh, actually, you know, I got a text. Everything was okay. Right. So the, I always talk about it's, if you can go in with a plan, you're less likely just in that. Because again, remember people, a lot of stress comes from uncertainty and the fear of the fear of the unknown. Right. And so it's, if you go in with your own plan, it takes that fear away and that uncertainty away because you do have some level of certainty. Right. So I always say you can have a plan, but yeah, the good stress and the bad stress are still always going to be the same. Like it's to me, you're still managing it. You're assessing when does the good stress happen? What are you going to do to minimize it even further? And again, but the more people you can bring on board from an accountability point of view, I always say, you know humans love humans you know they really do from that point from a support point of view right and I think that's why in our current climate it's very difficult because you can't give someone a hug you know you can't you know, there's a lot of those things and I think that's impacting people you also mentioned something that I like loss of income loss of this you know etc but wherever as a mental health clinician too is whenever I see there's a loss of something and this is what I believe a lot of business owners aren't understanding in our current climate is the loss of anything is grief mm. regardless of how big or how small it is and so it also is important to give yourself permission to grieve so you know the the loss of um even like losing clients during this time is grief the loss of what those restaurant owners are going through is there's going to be grief i read a really great article by a psychologist don't know remember where but what she was saying is because of the events that have not just collectively happening in individual countries and provinces and states and whatever but collectively around the world is she believes everyone will experience a level of trauma from our current environment. Mm. Just that the trauma will be different based on environmental factors, you know, your life upbringing, whatever. But yeah. she said, how can you not be impacted when you've, you know, humans are humans and they like connection and you've just taken all that away. So she said, everyone will be changed from this, whether or not they think they are, um, they will be changed. Uh, yeah. So I think, again, I just want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Wherever there's loss, there is grief and to, to go through that. No, that's really great to help people understand because I think because everyone processes everything differently, you know, um, for myself, been part of, you know, helping with some of the COVID relief and stuff. Um, I really, what I've noticed is I'm not physically demanded. Mm -hmm in my everyday it feels like i can just keep going and going and at times it's because you have to right you when you have to do something in your head you just do mm -hmm. um but when it comes to putting the head on the pillow <laughs> mm -hmm. then it's like wow i didn't realize how mentally exhausted that 
and paying attention to what we're allowing into our minds too. Like we were talking before we even hopped on here that, you know, not watching the news on purpose, limiting the amount of social media, being paying attention to what we're allowing into our mindsets to influence how we're thinking and feeling because that, and whatever belief around that we have is affecting the actions we're taking whether it be looking after your family, whether it be um, running a business or, you know, leading in an organization, it all depends on how you are influenced by things around you and how you're feeling about yourself and mm -hmm. the results that you're wanting to get. Are they mm -hmm. possible? If you have a sense of self-doubt or that uncertainty behind it, you're not as likely to take action or you just might put your toe in the water and then you're going to jump out and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, no, I, I agree 100%. And again, mindset is a funny thing, because it's not just the current climate, but mindset collectively yeah, has so many, you know, stories and beliefs that have started from childhood, right? Um, and as business owners, I genuinely believe the sooner you can work on mindset, the more successful and the quicker you will be with success, because I believe mindset is 85% of what uh, you need in business. And 15% is a strategy as a business consultant with women in business. If I look at when I work with my one-to-one -one clients, my mastermind clients, or my group coaching clients, they all come at kind of different tiers. My one-to-one -one has been in business for a little bit longer. Mastermind is kind of like the middle of the how long they've been time-wise. And my group coaching are normally, they're still quite infant. And it's quite interesting to see the different stages of mindset, right? Is, yes, um, and, but even in those who are in the early stages, those with the growth mindset, move along things so much quicker, right? And so, and as a coach, I say to people, you know, if you think that I'm the magic pill that's gonna help, you're wrong, right? This comes down to your responsibility, your choices and the action you choose to take or not take. Uh, but I can teach you the strategy. That's, that's actually easy. It's yeah. what you do with that strategy that's on you, right? And people, I get a little bit hard with people in that every day you wake up and you have choice every single day uh again you can choose now i want to pre caveat this because i had one person kind of go like ah i didn't you know are you saying people who get raped did that by choice okay like come on people no i'm not saying that all right but what i'm saying is for the most part when you get out of bed in the morning okay you have choice so i just want to caveat that in case there's a listener out there that's thinking i'm being insensitive all right so no so but you do and you have a responsibility uh, your your life is your responsibility. So again, the sooner you can take that, I also find this helps with reduction of stress and burnout because again, you own everything that you do. So if you choose to stay up till midnight every single night for five weeks on end and not get sleep, that's your choice, but just know there's probably going to be a consequence on the back end of that. And that's up to you because of the choices that you made, right? So yeah, I could talk about mindset and that all day long, but I think it's important that, uh, yeah, mindset and mental health, they all, and stress, they all weave together. Absolutely. And the mindset is one of the areas that I specialize in. And we talk a lot about on here on the Millionaire Woman Show. So I would love for to hear what would be one strategy that you would work with a client on as an example of mindset work. 
Mindset work. All right. Let me think about who am I currently working with? Well, there's a big thing at the moment around motivation, right? And people like that. No one's motivated at the moment because you can't go outside. If you live in a place like Canada, do you know what I mean? You guys are only just seeing sun for more than like a minute a day, right? So you've got all of those factors, right? Yeah. So I just asked people like I like my one client who's again, it's the motivation, but it's impacting her mindset, right? So I'm saying to her, okay, well, let's go back. Let's take COVID out of it. What would we have done on a regular day, right? And for her, it's been coming down to routine. And so for us, it was about reestablishing it. So her mindset was already there, right? But it's just been weakened and crumbling because of the current situation. So for us was identifying, okay, what did we do before? What does it look like now? And it was about implementing just those rituals again that gave her certainty because as humans we crave certainty all right and since we just put and it wasn't a long thing because if you make a list of 50 things people aren't going to do it so for us it was like do two things with your rituals every single day and let's assess to me and every week for the next month what happens and what we saw was and um i also made her check in with me every day so that was like again that accountability thing so she would just send me a message on facebook and we'd be good to go but what she felt is again her purpose was there again she didn't have to think about what was going on because it, when you're in your home all the time, you don't even know what time of day it is, right? Like you, yes. like it, I had another lady I was talking to yesterday. She's like, and I'm up at 11 and next thing you know, it's seven. And she's like, where did the day go? She goes, it's really weird. And I think that's happening to a lot of people because we don't have our sense of, um, routine so for me that was a mindset thing that i've been working with some of my clients where they're just feeling super unmotivated is let's go back to what our rituals were let's implement implement two and then let's assess each day is this helping or not helping and by doing that do you know what i mean naturally then the mindset started to do you know what i mean have that it was like again it was like i said the mindset was already there it just needed to be strengthened it was like a muscle it just had to be used again and now do you know what I mean she's back at do you know what i mean doing her weekly goals and looking at her strategy and all that but we had lost that for a little while so how do we shift that? So that's an example in the current climate that I've been working with clients. And I think we take for granted how much routines and rituals really set us up for success mm -hmm. and the habits that we establish and put in place to ensure that those routines and rituals stay in place. Mm -hmm. What uh, do you have a morning routine yourself personally, or do you have certain rituals that you follow? Well, other than grabbing for a Diet Coke, because I'm slightly addicted to Diet Coke, that is definitely a ritual. But I'm also my my main ritual. And again, I do talk about this is for the practice of daily gratitude. Um, so it's not something I've done always. I think I've probably really embraced it the last four years, which again, that's a whole other topic about the transformation I think entrepreneurs collectively go through over time is that I think uh, a lot of us are so busy when we first start, right, that you don't really again we have choice but we use the word we don't have time because you just want to know that you're going to be sustainable as a business owner right but as you start to become more sustainable and more successful uh and you start to outsource and things like that i think you start to go okay well what what do i need to get to the next level and so for me is i think the practicing of daily gratitude has granted me both for myself collectively for my family and also for the business so yeah yeah so those come in handy, especially for, you know, those people who are um, working from home, because a lot of people are working from home right now and experiencing different levels of stress. Like we talked about, you know, there's the homeschooling, um, having virtual meetings, which maybe people weren't used to before having the talking head, not knowing to how to have the interaction with others, mm -hmm. um, really learning to embrace technology. And it can be, you know, a variety of ages, you know, it doesn't matter, but there's this pressure, like how, 
I think people meet their deadlines because they've had a little bit of urgency behind them, right? Mm -hmm. That scarcity of time. But when you're in a position of working from home and nobody to answer to, the solopreneur, um, I think that the distractions could get the best of you and say, oh, maybe I should start decluttering this room. <laughs> um, how do you help people right now um, or generally when they work at home to avoid those distractions so that they can stay focused? And I know rituals and routines would be part of that, but mm -hmm. uh, what else? Or would you I think boundaries come into it also because I think a lot of business owners collectively struggle with boundaries, you know, uh, boundaries with clients and I think boundaries with self, boundaries with, you know, uh, family. So I remember when I first started working from home, my husband was like, oh, well, because you're at home today, would you mind just throwing the laundry on and can you just do this? And I was like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And he goes, what do you mean? Like you're, you're home. And I'm like, well, if I would have driven to the office 45 minutes away, which I've been doing for the last 15 years, I can't put the laundry on when I'm 40, like an hour and a half return trip away. So I was like, no. So I had to set that boundary from the beginning. I wasn't being a douchebag and I wasn't being uh, mean. I was saying like, I'm happy to do it once I'm done my work day. No worries at all. Right. Cause he too helps out. Like there's, we've got our own, like what each of us do. But he then was like, well, maybe that will change now. Cause you're home and you can do more. I'm like, what do you think I do? Eat bonbons and watch Oprah all day? Like really? Right. So for me, what I ask my clients to do is put boundaries in place because the sooner you can put those boundaries in place, people will respect them. But if you don't put, again, you taking responsibility to put those boundaries in place, then people don't know what to expect from you and what not to expect from you. So when working from home, I say put those boundaries in place. Two, I also talk about uh, co-working virtually, right? So I, I'm pretty much on Zoom all day, every day. But I, even without COVID, it would make it very difficult for me to go to a co-working space if I'm working clients one-to-one -one, because I want to make sure our conversations remain confidential. So you can't just go to a co-working space. But I would probably go to a co-working space once a month. But even without COVID, I would have co-working you know I mean, times just on Zoom, catching up with friends. We'd then work for 20 minutes, et cetera, right? So that's another way that, again, it's, you don't have to be, go through the sense of loneliness. It's, again, just the, uh, being creative and thinking outside of the box. I also talk about um, uh, like clocking your time, right? And so there's, uh, it's the 25 minutes and I'm, gonna, I'm having a brain draw. Pomodora, I think yeah, it is. PRM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to like think it's still too early and I haven't had my daily ritual of Diet Coke yet. All right. So there you go for me. But um, yeah, so it's like that's another thing that I encourage people to do is if you get distracted easily at home, the whole technique there is, is that you you work for 25 minutes and there's this really cool app. Actually, I'll just quickly look at my phone. It's like so cool. It's set up specifically for this particular model. And if you touch your phone or do anything, it's called Forest is what the uh, app is called called but you uh this plant start this uh you get like soil and it, you start to see this plant grow but if you touch your phone or the desktop do you mean exit out or there was something there uh i use it on the app clearly uh what happens is, is you kill the tree like and so it like you just kill it um but the cool thing with this app called forest is that like once you get up to 2500 coins um they actually plant a tree in real life and so it's like you know a double-edged sword that what you're doing so so by doing the um this particular technique, it allows you to have just 25 minutes of focus time. And I know that that also helps with people's productivity. So between boundaries, uh, co-working, 
the Pomodoro, you know, technique there. And I also just say the importance of getting uh, outside. So whether or not you're in Canada, you know, even standing outside for five to 10 minutes, obviously bundled up if you need to, there is something to be said about how it shifts you. Um, uh, you know, being in obviously Australia, we've pretty much where I live, it's sunny every day, right? So shifting that can also shift your creativity. It can decrease your stress. It can like, it gives you a moment almost to reset. So I would encourage you to be thinking about how you can get outside. Even if you, I'm not saying go for a walk or exercise. If you choose to, that's great. But just like a lot of times I'll just eat my lunch outside in the sunshine to get me a new environment. So uh, there's a lot of cool things you can still do at home. Uh, to help keep you productive and, and on task. Yeah, and I think people take for granted what that just change of environment does. Like what you mm -hmm. said, even, you know, doing the co-working space, mm -hmm. that change in environment can really change the way you look at things or going to work in a coffee shop when, when they're available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To go to a different space and clear your head or go for a nature walk and then mm -hmm. sit down to what you're doing. I know there was a study I was reading one time that, it said if you were studying for something or you have something that you need to really concentrate on to go do some kind of form of physical activity first because all the blood goes to the prefrontal cortex and then when you are ready to focus all of that um, concentration and blood flow is ready and uh, mm -hmm. helps you concentrate better mm -hmm. so that's something to think about as well yeah and just like i said it just lifts your mood the other thing that i would also say in regards to productivity from home is and it's not just from home, but it's about business in general. And that's about understanding outsourcing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, when they first start in business and they even have been in business for a while, they're like, but I'm outsourcing a VA end and, you know, I'm doing this and that's all great. But then I say, but what, when I start to identify what are some of the stressors and sometimes people will say working from home is a stressor because I feel like this stuff isn't getting done or whatever it is, as I say, but why can't you outsource things in your home? And they'll be like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, why can't you outsource the cleaner? Yeah. Why can't you get like a friend of mine, unfortunately, she's in business and her husband passed away recently and uh, she's able to, do you know what I mean? You know, but again, she's got choices. And when I say able is yes, she makes good money, but she also has chosen that part of the money that she uses is going to go to a PA. So when it was Halloween, for example, she, the, her PA for that week, uh, her kids gave the PA three different choices that they wanted in Halloween costumes. Yeah. Uh, and she said, go and get whatever one you can find and come back. Right. So I think women are less likely just because of the nature of who we are, what we do in the story society has told us. Right. But if you go back to me looking at, I needed to ask for help when I knew my, what my triggers were just recently. Right. Right learn to ask for help is what is one of the number one things I could ask any of you to do, whether or not it's you need to speak to your husband and reset the boundaries in asking for help, whether or not you need to outsource to a VA, or whether or not you need to outsource, you know, a cook, chef, cleaner, or personal assistant in your home. Because sometimes outsourcing in your home can free you up actually more than trying to outsource, say, someone to post your social media. Posting your social media, you still might like doing that to some degree, but you know, like it's not really good for an ROI. But cleaning your toilets, genuinely, for or cleaning the house for three to five hours a week, might not. I don't know that that lights many people up. All right. So what I'm saying is, is you might actually stick with doing that job versus people that I'm going to outsource that first. But maybe that same amount of money you're paying for that VA 
could probably get you a cleaner cheaper that can come in here and clean the entire house. Do you know what I mean? Right. And right. that's their zone of genius. So I just want to also talk about the importance of outsourcing and asking for help because it's, it's a huge thing that people don't do. Yeah. You know, there's so many things I still want to talk to you about and we're coming near our time. So I think we're definitely going to have to have you come back on no the show. And I, cause I really want to still touch on, you know, PR sales funnels, those kind of things as well. But I think more than anything, mental health and business life and leadership needs to be addressed. It needs to be something that we talk about because people are, you know, bounded by limiting beliefs, um, preventing them from taking the action on the goals and dreams that they have, um, the vulnerability piece of being able to be vulnerable, being able to move forward. Um, we talked to, touched a, just a brief tiny bit on uh, workplace bullying. These are all things that are really, really important to talk in the open and what that defines and how it impacts us. So I really would love to have you on the show. Um, I have two final questions that I love to ask yeah, yeah. my guests. So the next time around, you'll have to come up with a different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is uh, one of your most favorite books that has really impacted you? Yep. So it's a book called The Go-Giver. And I always, it's two authors. I always mess it up. Uh, Bob, Bob. Okay. Yes. Bob. De, de, I'm going to mess up because it's Bob Bird and John Bob Bird. And yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, it's really interesting, but yeah. So in fairness, I read that book probably two to three times a year. Right. I should yeah. know their names. I use them in my, um, uh, presentations quite often, but one of the things that they talk about there is, uh, is the importance of like again the words go giver right and their book the go giver yes i was just looking it up is yeah bob berg and john david man but what i love about them is about how they choose to look at business collectively and what i think it might what take what i've taken away most from them is the five laws of stratospheric success and what they say is the law of value uh your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payments they talk about the law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. The law of influence. Your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. The law of authenticity. The most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. And the law of receptivity. The key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And I like this because just real quick is that the way that everyone else looks at traditional sales process is you've got a prospect, you qualify, you present, you overcome objections, you close, you follow up, and you might have some level of customer service. Is where the go-giver um, in the book, they're really big about by creating value, touching people's lives, building networks, being real, staying open, you will ultimately be profitable. But because it's so counterintuitive to what the rest of gurus are teaching right yes. um it's very hard but again for me as i go off of the go-giver book uh i lead with value first and everything else you know i mean i believe is a ripple effect so yeah so that is my favorite book yeah it's an awesome awesome book and uh yeah i had the opportunity of talking with bob berg about about his book and um i look forward to talking with him again as well yeah. so my next question for you um is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out Rich from the inside out is I think it's uh, being okay with yourself uh, is really what is to me is that what that means is I think so many people struggle to find themselves but if you can find yourself and be true to who you are uh, then I think yeah the richness will come in many ways of life. 
Yeah. Thank you so much, Angela, for being so real, raw with us, um, being yourself, because it was evident throughout the whole uh, podcast here. And I'd love for you to share with everyone how they can stay in touch with you. Yeah, uh, the best bet is because people consume information differently and just are on so many different platforms. I just say the best bet is just to go to my website, AngelaHenderson.com.au. And from there, you can choose to listen to, you know, my podcast, you can choose to join my Facebook community, you can choose to follow me on Instagram. Uh, but pretty much, yeah, if you just Google Angela Henderson, you'll find me in a variety of different ways. Uh, but yeah, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au. So yeah, love to connect. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Millionaire Woman Show. We, um, again, bring you guests from all over on all different topics related to life, leadership, and business. We'd love for you to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite podcast player is. Go ahead and rate and review. Subscribe to this show so you're not missing a single episode. And I'd love for you to go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com where you'll get your free uh, three-part video course called Making Habits Stick, so you can build that focus and consistency and putting in habits in place. And we talked about those routines and structures and rituals that will help you knock some of those goals and dreams out of the park and make them a reality. On behalf of Angela and myself, we'd love for you to connect. I'm going to have all the things in the show notes um, for you to connect with her, find out about her Facebook group and social media platforms. And as Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of us, go out and have a great day. Have a good one.